I think I have a much easier job than Ian this morning, speaking to, to, to you guys here than to the children. Um, but as we think about petition this morning, as the, the third part um, of our series that we're doing through the prayer course, I wanted to start with a few stories that came to mind as I was preparing. Now, in the first year after I became a Christian, I remember being really fresh in my faith and on fire for God. And I was walking down the old high street and as I got to kind of approaching the top of the high street, um, I had two thoughts in my mind. I thought, one, I would quite like to find a craft shop because we were making wedding invitations at the time. And the second thought I had was, I must remember and text Linda Newton and tell her that I'm going to the Women's Connect burn supper it was that evening. Now, I probably didn't know Perth that well at this point, but as I get, I, I just say to God, God, which way will I go? possibly taking the, the Lord will direct your steps, like very quite literally at this point. And I thought to myself, oh, I think Dunnell Mill has a craft section, so I'm going to turn left along, I don't know if it's South Methon Street or something parallel. Um, so I walked along, and as I walk along, I spot on my right-hand side a craft shop that I would never have known was, was there. And I was like, oh, thank you, God, a craft shop. Right, okay, in I go. I'm not a crafty person at all, by the way. I think I must have been overcome with some wedding fever that I decided we were going to make our own invitations. Um, but as I walked into the craft shops and I headed towards the back of the craft shop, who did I meet in the craft shop but Linda Newton? <laughs> and this is a, a real encouragement to me at this point in my faith. Um, it might seem like a bit of a ridiculous prayer. Um, but Pete Gregg says in his book, when you pray about the small things in life, you get to live with greater gratitude. Archbishop William Temple is famously known to have said, when I pray, coincidences happen, and when I don't, they don't. So today as we think about petition and what it means to bring our requests and our own personal needs before God, to think about what it means to pray, give us this day our daily bread. I was thinking, I'm not sure I pray as many of those kind of prayers anymore as I used to. In fact, if I was going to get excited about looking at one of these sessions, then I might be more likely to volunteer myself for something like contemplative prayer or listening to God or maybe even unanswered prayer. And it was a bit of a relief to me to hear Pete Gregg's own confession in the book as he tells the story about his kind of alfresco dining experience on a yacht somewhere hot and sunny. And his friend is praying for this um, swarm of mosquitoes to just go away and leave them alone so that they can enjoy their nice meal together. Everyone else is deep in prayer with their eyes closed and Pete's kind of looking at him like, really, do you think God wants to do something about that? And as they, no sooner had they said amen when there was a big gust of what he calls a perfectly timed wind came and blew away the mosquitoes. <coughs> but really, this is prayed in its simplest form, to ask and to expect God to answer. In this section in, in the book and in the prayer course, Pete takes out of order as we read it in Matthew. But importantly for us, we find it in the context of where we were last week in adoration, about lifting up our praise and our thanksgiving to God and reminding ourselves of who God is. And I don't know about you, but I felt like last week Ian didn't just um, preach on adoration, 
But as we worshipped together, we experienced that. We experienced that sense of just being in the presence of God and being in the moment without needing to ask anything of him at all. I wasn't feeling great last week, and I I mainly sat through the worship. I don't know if you remember the story that um, Ian shared about this greyhound, which had taken off with a clanging metal chair behind it and was struggling to, to stop to just be released from it. I kind of felt like I'd been forced to stop. But as I worshipped and as I listened and as I sang, I just had a moment of remembering who God is. And there was a praise and a thankfulness and a joy and a new sense of hope and expectation that rose up within me in the midst of my illness and circumstances. But if we're honest, that's not really how our prayers start, is it? We don't always remember to, to do that bit of adoration, to thank God who he is, for who he is first. Sometimes our prayers are a little bit more like help, particularly those prayers where people don't actually know and acknowledge who God is. But in the crisis, the cry of their heart is like a, a please, even if they're not quite sure where it's directed. And to quote Pete Gregg, there are no atheists on a falling plane. So I'm going to read to us from Luke 11. And as we think about asking and petitioning God on prayer. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't don't bother me, the door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of your friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives the one who seeks finds and the one who not to the one who knocks the door will be opened which of you fathers if a son asks for a fish will give him a snake instead or if he asks for an egg will give him a scorpion if you then though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father in heaven Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Now, I haven't thought very much about this story in recent years. um, But I do remember a couple of years ago coming to the conclusion after reading it that the reason why I should keep asking God is that even if he doesn't want to answer my prayers, eventually he's going to get fed up and answer me just so that I'll go away. I think that's a little bit of a skewed version of who God is. But this story encourages us to ask and that we will receive based on us having an understanding of who that it is that we're asking. Now, the story that Jesus tells is a little bit more like, can you imagine? 
And he then goes on to paint a picture of a completely implausible situation in the culture at the time. Hospitality was very important. And as the friend of the one asking, the responsibility would extend not just to the person asking and to the person being asked, but also to the village to provide for this unexpected guest. Bread would have been baked daily, so it wasn't so much of an inconvenience. And they needn't worry about the children being woken up since this has probably already happened as they, they might have been sleeping in the same room together. Just by the nature of this being a friend coming, it's a situation that would never happen. It's a fictional scenario. But still, even if that was the case, they would provide because of the risk of bringing shame to their name and the rest of the community who, who are also overhearers of this disturbance. And our asking it is our relationship with God that is the most important starting place. Now, praying wasn't a new thing for these disciples, but there's a shift in the language here in the prayer that Jesus teaches them to the one that they would have been familiar with. No longer are they praying to holy, far-off and distant God, but they address him as our Father, Abba, Daddy. There's an intimacy and a closeness suggested as we're invited to 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 seek him for our daily needs. God, who is our Father, we're invited to ask, to seek, and to knock, knowing that the relationship alone permits us and invites us in to do so with an expectation that he will answer. And as he said, if human parents give good gifts to their children, how much more will God do the same for us? We can trust that when, he, when we ask God, his gifts to us are good. And in, in, in Matthew, it says, If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Pete Gregg says, Our primary privilege as God's children is to ask audaciously and repeatedly for everything we need, expecting him to answer, naturally or supernaturally and as I thought about this um, and, and, and my lack of perhaps petitioning God in the simplest of forms sometime I, I remembered that actually this petition was part of my story of coming to faith in God and maybe not in the way that you might think um, I have a lot of stories this morning if you've been in the church for about the same time as me you might have heard these stories about 10 times but they're good ones so I'm going to make no apology for them but when Callum and I first moved to Perth I had started volunteering at the YMCA there and I wasn't a Christian at the time but in my head I reasoned that I had good morals and values so that I would be able to fit in well there as was my understanding of Christianity at the time <coughs> And a long story short, I saw something different in the staff team there, the way that they related to one another, uh, the way that they dealt with problems, uh, the way that they, they acknowledged where their strengths came from, and the love that they showed to one another and the young people that they served. But there's one part of my story that's really integral to the coming to faith. And around 12 years ago, in fact, on the very day that I was thinking about what to say, it came up as a, a memory on my on my Facebook page. Um, and the YMCA was part of the first ever pilot of something called a social impact bond. 
Basically, what that required was a whole load of upfront initial investment, and then the government would give outcome payments based on young people achieving um, certain, uh, certain goals or particular skills or staying in employment long for, in longer-term employment. And this particular day, one of our major investors had pulled out at the last minute. And we suddenly find ourselves with one day to find the remaining investment of over £100,000. I think every time I've told this story, the number gets bigger, so I've kind of reined it back in again, so I'm not entirely sure what it was. Um, or if, if we didn't have this, then we would lose about half a million pounds of, invest, of potential funding overall. Now, I knew what a, a sticky situation this would have left us in, uh, not, not least those who were in, in charge of running the organisation. And the first thing that we did was come together as a staff team to pray. Now, here's me at the time. I've, maybe I've been to a Bible study before. Um, I'm, I've not started coming to church at this time. I have no idea what a prayer meeting involves. So we're gathered at a table. I think we even had social work students as well who were in the same boat as me. And we're at this table and everyone has their eyes closed. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, am I going to have to say something? What's, what's happening here? And here's what happened. Jill, our CEO, prayed, and she started, like we discussed, by reminding ourselves and by reminding God of who he is. Same way that we might pray to God, our loving, gracious, heavenly Father, our provider, our help, and our strength. But here's what stuck out to me. She said this with such confidence. God, we know that if this is in your will, then you will find a way to make it happen. But if it's not in your will, and that's a whole different sermon for someone else completely, then we trust that you have something else great planned for us. Now, by this point, the clogs are starting to turn in my head. I'm thinking, how can you have so much faith in a God that you can't see, that you don't really know is there? And I knew that this, for this project to fall through, that it was going to leave a lot of people in a tricky situation with funding, not least Jill herself. Whatever the funding was going to come from, and now let me tell you, I am the first person to get uncomfortable about a kind of prosperity gospel perspective, but what I sensed from her as she prayed was just a sense of utter dependency and trust in God. Now, such was the impact of that moment for me that sometimes when I've shared the story, I have forgotten to say that actually we got the money by the end of the day, um, however much it was, um, by a set of crazy circumstances and uh, one thing after the other, a series of events that I honestly could not have made up. But I went home amazed at what happened and still pondering that prayer that Jill had prayed and when I concluded my time at the YMCA seven years later, she actually shared that, what if we thought the miracle was that we got the money? But actually the miracle was that a 20-something-year-old girl started a journey of faith to get to know God, a God who was so dependable and so trustworthy. And the knock-on effect that you see before you not only is God dependable to supply all of our needs, he actually delights to do so. I loved Mika's prayer of asking that she would just have, have joy and a, a good time as she serves. Do you know that it's okay to ask God to do that? 
And then amongst all of my storytelling today, as I thought about the importance of what I could say about these passages in Scripture, about the importance of asking, about the importance of articulating our need in bringing it to God, that sometimes our prayers are like the, the traffic lights that Pete Gregg talks about, that sometimes there's a, there's a, there's a green light, there's a, there's a yes, sometimes there's an amber, it's a wait and not, not now. Sometimes it's a red, it's just a stop. And my head was crowded with all these voices of all these people that had five different things to say about prayers of petition. <laughs> and as I took some time to ask God, what do you want me to say to this particular group of people at this particular time? As we think about what it means to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And I heard just one thing very clearly, and it was this. If you can tell them one thing, tell them this. My people don't know just how much they need me. Now, usually it's with some hesitancy or at least a good dose of humility that I might offer a direct word from God. But really, this message is not a new one. We are different people in a different time and a different age. But if we look at the story throughout Scripture, starting right at the beginning of creation in the garden, it's what we see time and time again. And as the writer in Ecclesiastes says, there is nothing new under the sun. Adam and Eve were created in the Garden of Eden and God had given them everything that they needed at hand, right to the very breath in their lungs. And with one instruction, that they were not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We read this in Genesis. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The enemy's tactic is to convince us that we don't have enough. That there's something good that God would withhold from us. It causes us to focus on what we don't have. To try and get what we need outside of what God has commanded. And yet even as Adam and Eve are banished from the garden, God provides clothes for them as they live out the consequences of their own bad choices. And it's this that Moses urges the Israelites to remember in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. 
The people of God rescued from slavery with the promised land firmly set in their minds instead find themselves wandering in the desert, even grumbling and complaining that they would rather return to Egypt and eat all the food that they wanted. God causes them to live in a situation where they're forced to rely on a daily bread. The Lord instructed Moses to tell his people that he would rain down manna from heaven, of which they were to gather just enough for each day. And on the sixth day, gather a double portion that on the Sabbath day that they might rest. But instead of remembering how God had provided for them in the past and trusting in God's promise that he would provide for them in the future, they tried to keep some of the manna for the following day. But as they did so, they found that it was full of maggots and it started to smell. And still, Knowing this, uh, there were those that went out to collect manna on the Sabbath and they found none at all. Now this manna or their daily bread or provision, God would provide for them each day until they reached the border of Canaan, the promised land. A land where bread would not be scarce and they would lack nothing. But so important was it that they, they first learned to be completely dependent on God how quickly they forgot who God was. How quickly we forget when circumstances change of what God has already done for us and what he has promised to continue to provide for us. In praying to God, give us this day our daily bread, we remember our complete dependence on him and on him alone. Now this was perhaps easier to do from a, from a seeming uh, position of lack of resources. Our prayers always go up so much quicker when we're in need, don't they? But in asking and receiving God, from God, we then have a responsibility to give thanks. Deuteronomy chapter 8 continues, when you have eaten and are satisfied, satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery." He's led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. And the, the times that we find ourselves in at the moment, there might be some of us here that are struggling to, to know where our next meal might come from or how on earth we're going to afford to pay the heating bill. But for some, the problem is quite the opposite. We might have everything that we need and never have to worry about these things. 
but we've forgotten that it's not our strength and wealth that have produced it. We feel we've lost the need to pray for our daily bread because we have everything we think we need. Derek Prime said, our comparative plenty does not diminish our need to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Rather, it's even more important that we do not lose sight of our true provider. All those years of God meeting their needs day by day. And still they had forgotten. This is a challenge that Jesus also had to contend with as he was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. In Matthew chapter 4, it says that after he was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus, as he was tempted by the devil, could indeed have turned stones to bread. We see that even Jesus, who is God, didn't trust in his own provision. Now, though God delights to provide for us physically, this temptation was much deeper than that. Jesus knew that true life, true sustenance, true provision and satisfaction was not found in bread alone, but in every mouth that, came, that comes from the word of God. God, our creator, the one who speaks things into being. The devil's temptation was for Jesus to prove what he already knew. Words about his identity that his father had spoken over him at his baptism. To give in to the temptation would be to provide for himself, would be to doubt both God's word and God's nature. Jesus says this to his disciples in John chapter 6. Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now this word bread here, as it's described in Strong's Concordance, says it's a divine provision. All the sustenance God supplies to yielded believers, seen by seen, to live in his preferred will. Jesus, the one who is the bread of life, the one who came from Bethlehem, the house of bread, invites us to pray to our Father in heaven for our daily bread, that he would be our sufficiency, that we would know that in him we lack nothing, but also that we wouldn't have pride, but that we would be in no doubt as to how essential Jesus is to our salvation, to our redemption, and to our sanctification. I don't believe it's right for us to completely spiritualize this passage to say, well, we don't need to ask for physical provision, that Jesus is our bread and our sustenance and he is all we need. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I think this is a real encouragement for us to keep asking, to keep articulating our needs, 
to know that as children of God, that we are worthy of asking to have our needs met. We read these words in Romans 8, which are on the wall in our living room. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And we thought about this story right back to Genesis and the human temptation to find what we need outside of God's provision and God's command. And we see this wonderful story of how God has provided something that was actually like nothing they'd ever seen before. That manna literally meaning, what is it? I don't think it could have been in their mind what God would have provided for them when they were in need. Our way and our own attempts at providing for ourselves and our needs seem to get us in a mess over and over again. But God, our creator, knew exactly what we needed. He knew that we needed a savior, something that we couldn't do ourselves, a rescuer. And he invites us each day to put our trust in him, to give us this day our daily bread. And as we close up our time together this morning, we're going to sing this song, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. I want to encourage us to take stock for a moment. And before we think about our physical needs, because it is is most important, we need to ask ourselves the question, have we accepted that we are needy? Derek Prime, in his book on the Lord's Prayer, names his chapter on this part of the prayer, Give Us This Day, Our, Our Daily Bread, Unashamed Dependency. So I want us to ask ourselves the question, am I unashamedly dependent on God's provision? Am I unashamedly dependent on Jesus for my salvation? Am I unashamedly dependent on God's sacrifice for us and not my own? And the other thing that I would like to encourage you this morning is to identify and invite God into something that you feel that you might need. And feel particularly this morning for those that have maybe given up asking, who have remained persistent, even hoping that, that like that, that friend that, that comes to the door and asks over and over again, hoping that God would just give in to us. Maybe we've given up praying. We don't always know the reasons why our prayers are not answered or something, not least in the way that we expect, but we can be sure of this, that God's heart towards us is good, that he knows just what we need, that he is able to see the need behind the need. There was a time when, um, around a year ago, when I was actually starting to get fed up of asking God that we would have more sleep in our house at night time. In fact, when anyone else would pray, I would get really frustrated because it was just a reminder of a prayer that had gone unanswered over and over again. Um, but there was one night in our life group who had faithfully prayed with us when I remember that Janice prayed for me with such faith that for a moment I actually thought, do you know what? For the first time in a long time, I actually believe that it's possible again, that this is God's heart for me, that I would have strength and energy to care for my family and to do all that he called me to do 
Is there anyone would encourage you today that if you're feeling like you've just given up on asking and you don't have that strength anymore, maybe your, your faith is at that mustard seed uh, size, then to come and let us pray for you as a, a, as a team with Janice and others who have faith this morning and to, have, to hold that faith for you and to come and to, uh, to dare to ask again what you've given up on asking. And lastly, an encouragement for us to confess our pride, the things that we rely on, that we've forgotten are a gift from God. For us to take the time to thank him and to recognize him and him alone as the giver of our gifts, to confess where we have forgotten him and to take some time to remember who God is and to put our trust and our faith in him for all the circumstances that lie ahead. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and I'll, I'll pray for us before we sing. Our Father in heaven, the one who didn't just stay there but came down to meet us, to meet us in our need. We're so thankful this morning for your gift of life to us, for your provision, both the physical provision that, we, that we've been given and for Jesus. And so we remember this morning, we remember again who you are. Remember who you are in the light of our circumstances. And, and God, as, as Ian reminded us last week about, um, we, we don't need to, to come under our circumstances, Lord, but you're over all of them. Lord, as we come to you again this morning, Lord, I invite you to come and to bring us a fresh revelation of who you are of who you are that doesn't change depending on what's going on around us, that doesn't change when things are hard, that doesn't, who doesn't change when we have plenty and when we feel that we're lacking. Thank you that you are the same and our need for you is just the same. Lord, we confess to you those times when we have uh, carried on doing things in our own strength when we've put trust in our own gifts and talents and abilities and, and when we find our security in our, in our wealth or in our health and our own strength, Lord, we thank you that these are all a gift from you. And Lord, for those situations where we, we need you this morning, where we just need to see a breakthrough in our lives, Lord, we find strength to ask you again because we know that your heart towards us is good, that your gifts to us are good. So Lord, we just take a moment to lift these things up before you quietly in our own hearts. you then though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father in heaven 
Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Lord, we need you. We need your spirit at work within us to do that which we cannot do ourselves. So Lord, we empty ourselves of everything that we think is a, is a, is a, is a bonus to us, everything that helps us on the, the journey. And we just say, Lord, we need you. Every hour we need you. Jesus, thank you that you are our one defense. You are our righteousness. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to stand firm on the truth of who we are in light of who you are. As Jesus did, knowing that you are our defender. Lord, that your word is final. And that we have everything that we need in you. <coughs> pray all these things in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.